to you all. It's Justin Dawson. It's the All Things Techie podcast. And I uh, hope you are all keeping well, keeping safe during this lockdown. And hopefully we're giving you loads of entertainment to listen to from the All Things Techie podcast. This, this is your first time listening to us. Welcome along. Um, we would love if you get involved by sending comments um, and also uh, subscribing to our program. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can subscribe on your favorite uh, podcast store. And it really means a lot to us. And you can also follow us on Twitter, AB Tech Junkies as well. Now, under this spotlight, this episode in episode 24 is the founder of avnation.tv. It is Tim Albright. Episode 24 of the All Things Techie Podcast. The All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E, media.ie. I, I, I won't guess how many years you've been involved in audiovisual. Um, do you want to admit that? Sure. Um, properly... Um, 14 year, years, um, just kind of on the edges for about 30. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I have to dive right back to that stage and go, where did it all begin? Like, what did you study in university or did you go to university even? Uh, so I when, I, when I say 30 years, so I started as a lighting assistant for, for my church's production team. Um, so that's what got me in it. Um, and we, and I, that got me involved in, in all sorts of stuff, theater, um, areas that we can, uh, we can discuss how much is AV, but it's all, you know, audio, video and lighting. Um, in, in university, I studied radio broadcasting and, and audio production. Um, and so mixing the audio and, and, and getting stuff, uh, produced that way. Mm-hmm. And so then taught you, it. Me, Tim, mm-hmm. are you like me? Like, I did radio broadcasting as well in college. Yep. Um, were you like me that wanted to be the next show jock and then just realized, hey, there's no money in, in radio, and then end up in AV and go, hey, there's no money in AV either? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I wasn't that smart. I actually went into radio <laughs> and then realized and then realized it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. I'll have to tap into this radio end of things. So what, what end of radio were you involved in? So I started out as a, at a news talks uh, radio station in St. Louis. Um, worked for CBS uh, for a lot of years. Um, and uh, so learned that end of it, learned the, the radio, the, the, the broadcast journalism part. And um, was involved in that and TV here locally. Um, 9-11 happened. And I was like, I'm too young, and the the and the 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 life is too short. So I went over to the to the music side, and <clears throat> got involved in a a morning show um, that was eventually uh, eventually I got I got uh, involved with a, a, a syndicated one here in the states, um, regionally syndicated, and and was their audio uh, production folk uh, person, and was on the air for a number of years. Um, and then you know, uh, kids happened, um, came along, and and morning drive, uh, morning radio does not uh, does not mix well with having kids uh, for some no, people. It, I can it, admit that. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It, it did for me. <laughs> so I looked around for a job, and uh, my uh, the the university that I graduated from had an opening, 
And um, amongst the the uh, duties was uh, annually you had to you know upgrade a couple rooms and this that and the other. And I took that and and kind of ran with it and got my CTS and got involved with uh, programming and designing and and uh, just kind of uh, took the ball and ran with it and. Um, that part became more and more of, of what our my, my duties were. It became more of an AV job. Yeah. So, like you, you, at that stage, you realized that hey, I'm enjoying more the tech end of doing this than I actually am enjoying doing the radio ends of things. Yeah. Yeah. No, like it, it sounds very similar because like that that recession hit in Ireland, and I came out of a master's degree, and I was working in a news talk radio station doing sound engineering, and then no jobs were available, even when it went to a national broadcaster, and uh, then went down the IT route, and then IT became AV, yep. uh, doing doing stuff for Price Waterhouse Coopers or PwC here in Ireland, and then. Realized like even that was long, long hours as well. <laughs> so, on that on that note, like you you mentioned as well there, along the way, CTS. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I I always say people always ask like, where do you begin? Do you actually go off and do your CTS? Is that the most important qualification to get an audiovisual? Do you think? In today's audiovisual. Um, if it's not the first, it's the second. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll hedge my bets a little bit here because the, the, the first two you should get, <clears throat> um, is, is it I, some sort of it certification as well as the CTS. And, um, we, we just finished up a, a three day, uh, conference. And, and one of the fascinating things is during these keynotes, uh, the audience has been chatting. Right, and you can you can watch those. And one of the things that kept coming up time and again is a discussion is whether or not AV is is IT or we are in the IT industry. Absolutely. Yeah, because I say my my personal opinion is yes, right. Um, but not for anything else. This is not a philosophical discuss, discussion for me. It's a monetary one. Who writes the checks? Okay. And when you look at the vast majority of the dealers across the world. The, the people who, who finance AV currently is the IT department. So we are in some way, shape, or form in the, in the IT industry. So we need to understand that. We understand, need to understand the, the topology. We need to understand um, the architecture. We need to understand where they're coming from. Do you have to have a Cisco high-level certification? No. No. But you need to have some sort of, of CCNA. You need to have some sort of basic understanding of what their their issues are, right? What what keeps them up at night and how can we as AV folks solve them? And to do that, you have to have some sort of certification under your belt for IT. So I'd say number one and number two is some sort of a IT certification. And then the first is, is the next one is, is CTS. Yeah, no, and do you know what? I, I've had this conversation as well with Mark Coxon, and he would say something similar that you would need some IT qualifications. But I think at times it's vice versa. You could be working in an IT department doing audiovisual, but the IT guys need to understand why you want certain ports open if you're doing AV over IP. Yes. You know? Yeah. So I think it's it, it works both ways. If you're work if you're stuck in an environment like that. And um, 
people people say as well, Tim, that you you mentioned church production as well. Is that a great end of things to just get some background scope on on sound and visuals? Say that say that part again, because I'm, I'm so, so like if if you're a young fifteen or sixteen year old, is that a good yep. start? Is that to get work experience in? in I church? think so. I mean, it's it's a great. Here's the thing. It's 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 a great entry level that doesn't require a whole lot, right? The the old joke of, uh, you know, I need 20 years experience to get this job, but I can't get this job without experience, right? Type thing. Um, I, you you were you need experience, but you you don't have any. But to get you know that that roundabout circle, doing stuff in school and doing stuff in church, the barrier to entry is very very low. Um, quite frankly, they're both looking for, for warm bodies that they can teach, right? And they can mold, uh, as opposed to, you know, your local integrator or, or even you looking for somebody for university. Uh, a lot of times you, you want somebody that has some, some basic skills there. They, they just need somebody to teach stuff, right? And, and you can get a good idea of whether or not this is for you, right? Um, one of the most fascinating things to me and, and the thing that at, at mid forties, 45, 46 years old still jazzes me up is sitting down and, and, and sitting back and appreciating an incredible amount of work, whether that is, uh, taking a, a blank room from design all the way through implementation, or it's a stage, right? That six hours earlier was completely blank. And now you've got line arrays and you've got lights and stuff like that. The, the appreciation um, of the work and the design and the experience that you're getting ready to create for people still excites me, right? Uh, 30 years later. So I, I think that if that's something, that, that's an avenue and that's, an, that's a safe place, both schools and, and, uh, and churches, for you to get your feet wet and decide whether or not it's for you. It may not be, and that's okay. And then you move on to the next thing. Yeah, now you, you mentioned now nearly 30 years of background between radio and audiovisual. What, what, what's been the most interesting company that you've worked with? Oh, um, I'm putting you on the spot now. Question. It would be a cop out to say my own, wouldn't it? Um, so I'll, I'll give you two and for two different reasons. Number one, um, I worked for a company called Bonneville uh, Broadcasting. Okay. Uh, Bonneville International is the for-profit arm of the Mormon Church. Okay. okay, so I worked for the Mormon Church in a, in essence, and it was fascinating. Some of the things and, and and having come from CBS, and CBS is a straight up secular, you know, one hundred percent bottom line. Give me all the money you can. Type type. Okay. Corp, you know, Capitalist uh, up one side and down the other. Nothing wrong with that. At Bonneville, we had certain things that we wouldn't do commercials for. We wouldn't take money for, right? Um, here in St. Louis, we have a number of riverboat casinos. Mm -hmm. You would never, at the time, you would never hear uh, any sort of commercials for the casinos themselves, right? It would You would not hear the commercial of come out and gamble. Yes, they would get around that by promoting concerts or something else like that, but never explicitly come out and gamble. Right. right. Uh, no, no beer advertising. Um, yes. No, no, you know, uh, here in St. Louis, we're the center of Anheuser-Busch for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. um, but you would not hear commercials for AB or any other uh, alcohol. 
so that was that was fascinating and and i got to work with them uh the year of the winter olympics in salt lake city right. so talking with colleagues and co-workers at the time you know you know, you know hearing those stories and, and seeing how that happened mm -hmm. the entirely extreme opposite was when i worked for my college right um it was uh, it's a nonprofit obviously it's a local university locally funded um a small community college that did a lot of really great things and a lot of cool things, but they they were not considered concerned with the bottom line. They were concerned with making the the community better, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that was that gave us some flexibility and some freedom that that we wouldn't that you wouldn't normally have in um, in a for profit company. Mm -hmm. And with that, I, I'm going to throw in a little span on the works of going. We've all had moments in audiovisual or tech where things mm. go wrong. What is your fondest moment of something that really went wrong for you, whether it be a live event, whether it be an install that you just went, oh crap, and how did you solve it? Oh Lord. <laughs> um, that sounds like an interview question right there. Well, it does, it does. The question is which one do you sell, right? So do you tell on yourself or do you tell on on the wonderful um um faculty and staff that you've had to deal with over the years and, and some of their idiocies um uh, let me think about that for a second because what's the worst um so we did a broadcast every year of our commencement um actually it's coming up uh for that college in about three weeks here and um, not only did we broadcast it, we had a local um, cable channel here uh, in, in our little town uh, that was the colleges. That was actually part of my responsibilities of making sure there was content on, on this cable channel. Um, in addition to that, we, so we did the, the commencement live. We also uh, fed it over to a um, overflow room. So in case the theater uh, where we held the commencement, um, you know, reach capacity folks can go over to this overflow room and they could still watch and for whatever reason somebody uh, we ran fiber to everywhere on, on campus and um about 10 minutes before um we were set to start commencement for whatever reason somebody decided that the rack of fiber equipment that i had in a you know bowels of this building um, didn't require power anymore. And so the entire rack got shut off about 10. Oh yeah, it was fantastic. And suddenly we're getting calls from the overflow room and, um, we're getting calls from people watching, um, the TV on, on, uh, at home. And it took us about, uh, it, uh, it took us right up until commencement. And I think, I think we were actually a minute or two late, uh, to figure out number one, what had happened. So why weren't we, why why our signal wasn't getting out of out of our room, uh, and then to figure out okay what's what's going on and and when you're staring looking at a rack you're not, and, and you're you're you know your adrenaline's going and you're 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 trying to troubleshoot here. We've all been there. Yeah. A lack of power is the last thing on your list, right? Because of course it has power. Who in their right mind would kill power to this? Uh, and sure enough, that is exactly what it was. And so once we flipped the switch, the you know the you know the the blades you know revved up again and and did suddenly, you ever find out the reason of why this we never found out who oh, right it, it, right. it was it was, a, it was a switch right it wasn't like the building lost power it wasn't like the rack it somebody something happened where the physical switch had gotten 
turned, you know, turned off. So that sounds very deliberate. <laughs> deliberate or not, I don't know, but I just I just know it happened, and that was that was the fix. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so how did you go from doing these type of roles in universities to your own work and doing uh, AV Nation? Where did AV Nation start all from? How did this concept come to life? Um, I made a deal with the devil and I lost. Um, <laughs> um, so you and I both have broadcast background. And the one thing about, about broadcasting is it gets in your blood, right? Um, and for me, unfortunately, it never got out. Uh, I, never got, I never got healed of the need to broadcast and, and to create content. And um, so I had gotten hooked on uh, Leo Laporte and This Week in Tech. I, um, I love Leo Laporte, yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so Leo was one of the early podcasters, right? And um, this was uh, 05, 06. I was still teaching um, uh, production, audio production. I actually incorporated podcasting into my, into my classes um, because I, I genuinely thought, and I still genuinely think, that this is the next iteration of broadcasting, right? That it gives us certain freedoms, it, it, the barrier to entry is very low. So after about five or six, about five years of that, I'm like, I've never made my own, right, for, for us. And so I started looking around, I had gotten involved in the AV industry, and I started looking around for a, a twit version of AV, right? So I wanted This Week in Tech for AV, and it didn't exist. Um, several publications, uh, Infocom at the time had, had made podcasts, Sound and Communications had, a number of folks had made podcasts um, for AV, uh, but nothing that took a look at a weekly basis at the news and, and why it mattered. And so me being, I guess, pretty simplistic guy, I'm like, okay, well, there's not one, so let's make one. Um, and I had gotten involved with, with Twitter and, and social media a little bit up to that point. Um, I am, I am naturally an introvert. And so I don't, you know, reaching out, it, it takes a lot of energy. So I had, I just basically just kind of said, Hey, uh, I'm thinking about doing this. Does anybody want to do it with me? And, uh, George Tucker, um, who has now become an integral part of AV Nation, uh, and a young woman by the name of Linda said Frembus, um, who was a writer at the time. She has since gone on to work for Boston Globe and other places, uh, both said that they would. And then I also, um, I, I kind of um, forced a buddy of mine here locally uh, who worked for a local integrator to do it. And so we set up the equipment um, and uh, press record and, and that was the end of July in 2011 and we've produced AV Week every Friday since. Wow. Um, yeah, so we were at 450 some odd episodes. Mm -hmm. um, and the other things that kind of came out of that, right? The other monthlies and the, the, the you, further down the trail. You mentioned Leo Laporte there, big broadcaster, goes on cruise ships, he's on FM radio across America. Have you ever thought, is there room for this type of thing on FM radio across America? Like Certainly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I played with the idea of here locally, because um, I still know, I still have contacts. Um, locally in radio. Um, I've thought about pitching a, a version of this to uh, Sirius uh, XM. Mm -hmm. um, it's a big lift. It really is. And um, we are actually in the process of moving offices. 
um, expanding, uh, growing. And so once we get certain things in place, I, I think from a technical standpoint, we'll be in a better position than we would have been six months ago uh, to do that. And so like, at that point, you know, I'll, this, I'll be, this I'll is have now considered your full time role doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's super. That is absolutely super. That like, you know, at, at the moment, like this podcast is just a hobby for me. But you, 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 well, you've hit the ground running back in 2011. You've done a lot more uh, than me. Tim, well, on, don't on, don't misunderstand. This was not full time until three or four years ago. Right. right? So we, there, yeah, there was a long time of 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 this was volunteer for everybody. Yeah, and so when did you make the before you made the leap? Where were you based? Um, so when I started, I was still, I was still working at the college. Um, and then I did two other, um, I worked for two other places in the interim between the college and, and doing this full time. I worked for a, an integrator, uh, here locally, um, doing, uh, restaurant programming design mm -hmm. and then, um, and, and as a sales engineer, and then uh, I uh, ran an independent programming house out of St. Louis. Right. And I did that for about two years, a uh, year and a half, two years. Um, and we got bought by a local integrator. And um, the, the guy who bought us was a buddy of mine, still is a buddy of mine. Is He's one of my, I would call him one of my business uh, advisors, one of my business mentors. And we're sitting down and he's explaining what he wants me to do and, you know, where he sees me and and I simply said, you know what? I said, this, this seems like a really great time to, to see if, if I can't make a, a living at this, right? If I can't make a swing at this. And that was in um, the fall of 2015. Uh, okay. And so about four years ago. And uh, you know, it's, it wasn't easy, right? It, it wasn't great. And uh, we've made a lot of mistakes and, and continue to make mistakes. But as long as we learn from them, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think I think we'll still be we'll still be going strong a, a number of years from now. Now, do you have um, a big competitor market? There's there's AB Magazine. They try and yeah. do their podcasts. You have the AB Awards done by AB Magazine. I know, I know yourself and Chris Nito have have been over for the AB Awards as well. But you know, it 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 was a gigantic leap. And you know, I at times I'd say to myself, I'd love to do a leap and just go out on my own. And, how how did the family support you on that type of end of thing when you turn around to your wife and say, um, I have, I, I'm, I'm right and saying two kids at the moment you, that you have, Tim. When do yeah. you make that decision to your wife and go, uh, by the way, I have this crazy idea, honey, I want to go out on my own. I want to do some podcasting. I want to do some media on things I love. My, my wife has thankfully always been very supportive. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it's funny that you, you, you use the first crazy idea. That is generally how our conversations start mm -hmm. is Same I have a crazy, <laughs> yeah, I have a crazy idea. Um, okay. and there have been very few times that she has said, that sounds too crazy, right? Uh, let's not do that. And they've not all turned out. Certainly not. Um, but I've, I'm, I'm of the opinion that yeah, there, there, are, there are a handful of things in this world that you can control. Uh, and the biggest one is you, right? The biggest one is you and, and, and what you do with life and how you treat people. And um, if I'm working hard and I'm trying to move forward and trying to push forward, um, God, divinity, the universe, whatever you want to call it, will honor that. And 
I'm trying to do something better, right? I'm trying to make the world better. I'm trying to connect with people and make their lives better. Um, yeah, it's silly. Yeah, it's, it's that and the other, but it's, it's still trying to make the world a better place in my little corner of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she, she has been really, really supportive all the way. And it's, it was a conversation we were already, we were already starting to have um, because my work schedule was, was my real work. My, my full-time work schedule was, was getting a bit uh, much. And then AV nation was, was suffering because of it. And the question at that point goes, you go, okay. Um, you know, we've been doing this for four or five years. Is this something or should we just kind of put it on the shelf and, and let it go away? And we both felt that, you know, let's, let's see what happens. What's the worst thing that's going to happen is, you know, we go broke and we go back to getting a job. Um, and again, that was four years ago. Yeah, and well, the great thing is you you have a team behind you that's also supporting you on on on, on this end of things as well. Uh, now, I I did mention previously there that you you do all the trade shows. You do ISE. You do in- a lot. We don't do all. <laughs> we don't do all. You don't, don't do all of them. Yes. But the two major ones in audiovisual yeah. is ISE and Infocom. So I'm going to throw yep. a quick fire question up. Which one's better and why? Oh, um, that's a, that's an unfair question. Um, my favorite one, and I'll explain why, um, my favorite one to attend is, um, um, is ISE. Okay. And the reason is, is because I'm a big dumb American from the middle of the country, um, who never went anywhere in his life. Right. I mean, I, I, I think that we, you know, we went to, the Bahamas on a cruise on our honeymoon. And that was the most outside of the country I had been. Um, so when we went to, to ISE the first time, I was flabbergasted. I, I, I was beside myself and I have enjoyed connecting with you, connecting with others around the world. Um, and I do that through ISE, right? So it's, it's my favorite to attend for a number of reasons. Um, from a personal standpoint and a professional standpoint, it, it, it expands my horizons uh, and it introduces me to new people, uh, to new experiences, uh, to new food, which there's nothing wrong with that. I, I love uh, different foods and good food. So that, that's been good. Um, from a, which one should, do I need to, do I like to cover more? It, it is Infocom here in, in the States uh, because this is the vast majority of our audience, right? Not, not to be silly, but the biggest portion of our audience does come from North America. Mm-hmm. Um, we are trying to change that and expand that. But right now, right here uh, on this Friday morning, it's the most of our folks are, are from North America. So that's the one I like to because that that's our, our biggest audience. Yeah. Now, when, when was the first year that you actually went to ISE? 24, 2015. 2015. Wow. So yep. not, not that far. Uh, mm. Not that, that long ago. Now, when you say Infocom, is it better in Vegas or Orlando? Oh, Vegas. <laughs> Vegas without question. And, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a big guy, dude. I don't like, I don't like humidity. So I'll, okay. I'll take the heat over humidity all day. Yeah, no, I, I still have to get over to an Infocom because everyone keeps up. And I've just even figured out, I think we've had this conversation off mic before, that it's cheaper for me probably to go to Vegas and stay in a hotel and stay in a, a hotel that's the size of my house um, it, with regards to a room as, as big as my house and uh, 
than going to ICE in Amsterdam or in Spain. And yeah. you know, with COVID-19, who knows what's going to happen there next year? That is the million dollar question, right? Yeah. So um, we were supposed to, we AV Nation was supposed to do um, a little junket over to Barcelona because I've been to Barcelona once in my life. I took a cab to a hotel. I went to the hotel to the, to the airport. That was, so I, I, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with the town, right? So we were going to do kind of a fact finding trip uh, this summer to and make appointments with like a video crew, local video crews and, and kind of get the lay of the land. That's not happening. I just fly, quite frankly, it's just not going to happen um, for because of COVID. And the question now is number one, does ISE happen in, in 2021? I would, if I had to lay money on one, I would say, yes, it's going to happen. Um, just sitting right here right now, not knowing anything, you know, it, as long as everything, uh, hits the trajectory that that it looks like it's going to, um, but then the question is, do we go in blind, right? Uh, and that's not a pleasant um, yeah. per, uh, thing to think about. When when do you make the decision of like going over on the test run? Do you are you going to go in the new year, twenty twenty one? We're we're going. So I I made the commitment to Mr. Blackman, Mike Blackman, the the, the show director, that we would do at least one year of Barcelona. Um, <laughs> Our early projections was that it would cost us uh, about 20 to 30% more uh, at the time uh, than, than Amsterdam. Uh, and I'll, we'll figure out how to make that happen in this, that, and the other. But yeah, the question is, um, when do we go over or do we go over? And if we don't, um, how do we make some of those decisions? Now, I will tell you that very smartly, uh, ISE has offices in Barcelona now and they've had it for for quite, a t quite some time. So um, we, are, we should be able to connect with them, right? And pick their brain and tell them, see, th this is what I'm looking for, right? I'm looking for the, a camera crew. I'm looking for a construction crew. I'm looking for this, that, and the other. Um, who can you point me to, right? Um, I'm looking for a hotel that's close to the convention center. I'm looking for a place to have a party. That's why um, the ISE team has offices there. That's why uh, the team goes down there. I know for a fact, at least once a quarter, sometimes more than that, to have meetings so they can get more familiar with the area, so they can help their vendors, but also folks like me and AV Magazine and SCN and everybody else. And mm -hmm. um, now I'm, I'm going to throw a couple more uh, quick fire questions to you. Yep. You have your CTS. Um, have you ever thought of doing CTS DURI? I did. I failed the D. All right. And never went back. <laughs> never went back. So, so the likes of Chuck Espinosa has not been like hammering at you to, to try and do a DUR or not. No. Okay. No, I want to. And honestly, there's two folks that uh, Mark Coxon is one of the reasons because um, Mark went after his D and his I with uh, ferocity. And, and watching him has made me want to. I, I don't have a reason, right? There's, there's not a, a work reason necessarily. But I think it would be neat to have, and I think it would it would it would teach me a lot in in the prep for it. You know, like I've, I've looked at the eye, and I had the exam a date set. I had a date set back in March, and uh, that's been all postponed because of COVID. And yeah. then I said to Chuck, "Oh, oh, wow! Ibiza has opened up all their courses. You know, are you going to do an CTS eye prep?" And he said, "No, no, we're just doing some videos or whatever." I said, "Oh, well, I was going to do my exam." He all of a sudden sends me a load of questions 
rapid fire by WhatsApp. And I was like, right, I'm not ready for this exam. <laughs> <laughs> like the acronyms you threw at me, I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about anymore, you know. Uh, do you, and talking about of acronyms, like do you find at times with acronyms with AV in the States and in Europe, like you might call something totally different? Do you find that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And actually, um, I think it was Twitter a couple of weeks ago, uh, Kevin McLaughlin was saying that exact same thing and not just acronyms, but words in general. Right. And uh, it's funny. It, it's just terminology. I mean, we both, um, the old, the old joke about we are, we are two countries uh, separated by a common language. Right. Mm -hmm. um, because we both technically speak English, but good God, uh, we speak different versions of it. And, and, and that's honestly the same for here, us here in the States. Depends on what region you're in, and sometimes it depends on what which side of the river you're on. Um, but yeah, we we certainly have our own acronyms, our own terminology, our own phrases for things, mm. and uh, that is something that Avixa will have to figure out. Uh, and they've done a pretty decent job. Um, their translators and their uh, the folks that write their curriculum and write their their testings, um, they use. Uh, local native speakers that also speak English to get that, you know, get, to get those translations done. Um, and, you know, some of the challenges, though, are the acronyms and are the terminologies that sometimes are manufacturer specific, right? Um, or it is um, industry specific. Now, I'll pick on DSP for a second, right? Digital signal processor. Well, it, does that translate? Um, to Arabic? Does that translate to French? Does that translate to Russian? Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that because I don't speak any of those languages. Or do we just refer to it as DSP all over the world and the folks in Russia just know that that means this in Russian, right? Absolutely. Or the, the one that always trips me up is uh, D-O-O-H. And I was like, what's do? <laughs> 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 um, we, we talked about the best conferences to go to. Um, so if you were to specialize, if you were to start all over again, I'd say, I'm going to specialize in a certain area of audiovisual, what would it be? Um, honestly, today, security. Yeah. I yeah, if you, if, yeah, you're asking me that, it's security. Yeah. Um, if, if, if you were to go back and say, okay, AB Nation is, is finished, you probably, would you go into security or would you, what ends of AB would you love to tap into? So we did not do a good job early on tapping into the residential side. Um, and we're still feeling the effects of that, still still trying. I mean, good Lord, one, one of our board members and um, you know, owners is was on the CDA board for crying out loud. And we still don't do a good job of that. Um, so that's one aspect that I, I wish that uh, we would do a better job of. And the, if you were to have a present of a tech toy for Father's Day or your birthday, unlimited budget, and your son or daughter or your wife was going to go out and buy a tech toy, what would you want? Tesla. Oh, yep. <laughs> good choice. Yeah. A, a Tesla X series. Yeah, I want okay. the wing doors. Yep. Yeah, okay, that's a, that's a good answer there. Um, Crestron or Extron or neither or why? Depends on what we're talking about. Uh, quite frankly, um, I have, I've used both. I've used both for different reasons. Uh, it really does depend on, on what you're talking about. Um, 
I unfortunately, I, I cover the AV over IP um, debate. I am no longer in it though. And that's unfortunate. So I rely on folks like you, right? And folks like Kevin and, you know, folks here in the States to give me feedback on, on you know, this, the, the reasonings. For that one specifically, I see it as um, a replacement for, for big ginormous matrixes. I totally get that. And if you need to get the video outside the room. But as a former tech manager, I look at that and I look at our 300 or 200 little classrooms that I serviced, I would never put AV over IP in those classrooms. And you know what? Right? Yeah. No, like, uh, let's even bring that back to our radio days here, Tim. Like, I, I see jobs advertised and it's like, okay, so you know how to use a digital mixing desk. It's like, no, I know how to use a mixing desk. You know, why do I need to know how to use a digital mixing desk? I know how to tune a mixing desk. Now, I might not be the Chuck Espinosa of tuning a mixing desk, but I know no. how to tune a, tune a mixing desk. You know, so you just added an extra load of computeristic screens onto this. That's just going to confuse me more. But you know what? If you bring it back to basics, analog, I can tune a mixing desk. You know, so again, is it needed? Is it required? Do Is these extra features of a digital mixing desk for live events needed versus give me an old-fashioned analog mixing desk. <laughs> well, and I think sometimes people overcomplicate that, right? Uh, you're right. Does it, why are you specifying digital? Because uh, unless, unless there's a gotcha, right? And, and you and I can parse through various digital consoles and I have my favorites and I, I'm sure you do too for, for, for various reasons, but I know how to mix, right? Let's start there. I know how to mix. Um, yes, your interface might be slightly different. The Yamaha is different than the Allen and Heath, which is different than the than the uh, the Soundcraft, right? Certainly. Um, but it, as long as I can figure out where my subs are and where my EQ is, and, and if you've got onboard processing, where that is, um, I can figure it out from there. Um, so throwing in the word digital, unless you're specifying that you have to know how to run a D12 or I'm sorry, a D11 or a D9. Uh, SD9 or SD11, then, um, you know, don't bother putting in the digital part. Um, yeah. But go back for a second to the Crestron Extron. Um, I, st I started, my first, my first control system was Extron. I learned on Global Viewer, right? It's what got me uh, excited about control. I then went on and got my Crestron certification um, and in, learned how to program Crestron. Um, they, they are different animals. Um, and they, they were, they are used in different areas. Um, they both over the last 15 years have expanded their business models to not only get in each other's spaces, but get into, into, uh, folks space that they weren't in 15 years ago. Uh, and I, I joke with both companies because I have friends that work at both companies. Y'all are playing in other people's playground and you can't look at me and going, I'm not, you know, I'm not being fair because you have suddenly become a DSP manufacturer and speakers and this and that when I started using you, you were just a control company, right? Yeah, exactly. Or you were just a, a fantastic switch company. 
Um, and now you are playing in other people's playground where I, you know, I also have friends that work there as well. And so it's, it's, it's difficult as somebody who is trying to make the best decision when you have, um, these companies that, and and for growth purposes, and I understand from a business standpoint why they do it. Absolutely. Right. And, and they've got the technical know-how. Um, one thing I, 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 I go back to with, with Extron is they have an electrical engineer who makes their own power supplies. Okay. That's fascinating to me, right? The, the fact that they, that, that they find value in, in the investment in making sure that, that their power supplies are number one, the best, but also it's theirs, right? They, they, they're sourcing them. Um, is fascinating to me as opposed to other companies and i'm not going to pick on any one of the vast majority of thousand vendors that would have been at at, at infocom but there are people that, that go out and they buy speakers from a manufacturer slap their name on it and suddenly they're they're a speaker company right well that's not really true either right, right. um so yeah I, I i honestly think it's a cop-out answer but it's an honest answer where it depends on what you're trying to do and and you know the the solution you're trying to solve or the problem you're trying to solve who to use tim that is the best answer that i've i've had coming from asking that question to people what what are you trying to achieve what solution because you you in a a long type of in a different type of version of what you've just answered my favorite and i'll probably cut this out afterwards as you go to ISE and you're walking around the trade stalls. It's like, oh, you work in higher education. Let me show you this smart board. It works with Microsoft for Teams. Gone. I'm, I'm, I've immediately switched off. I'm, I, don't, I don't use Microsoft for Teams, but it works for Microsoft for Teams. Gone. I'm, I'm just like, yeah, next. You know, come ISE, the next ISE, I say, everyone's going to be using the words, it works with Zoom. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. that, that's, that's going to be the difference. It's not going to be... Microsoft Teams. No one uses Microsoft Teams. No university that I know in Ireland properly uses Microsoft Teams. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the, the, it's, your son Tim and um, are you going and daughter? Are they interested in audiovisual, or would you even subject them to audiovisual? Um, I'd subject it to him. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 okay. my son is interested in, in audio editing. Um, he sits in our studio here and and has started to play around. He's 11, right? So I'm not expecting him to be, um, you know, uh, a grand producer uh, next next month or next year. Mm-hmm. But he's interested in, in creating uh, and putting things together. Um, my daughter is, is a typical 14-year-old girl who lives on TikTok and dances around and, you know, does her, th- her theater thing. So that's, you know, right now she has no interest in AV. So you only come to daddy when something's not working now. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That, 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 yeah. Well, like I, like I mentioned to you in our um, AV pub crawls virtually, that uh, my son Kieran comes in and just finds the headphones in my, in my room and finds that I have a spinny chair and what's this thing in front of me that he can tap off and, you know, pull down and pull the, the microphone arm off the shelf if it need be. Um, so... If you have any advice for anyone that's entering the world of audiovisual, what tips would you give? Um, number one, treat it like like a buffet right now, um, because uh, it goes back to what you and I talked about about churches and and, and schools. Treat it like a buffet. Try a little bit of everything. 
um, because there's aspects of this industry that um, some of us don't realize is, is part of AV. Um, that is, and it's fascinating, it's fantastic, but um, we don't get exposed to it. So try to get exposed to everything. Um, I'll pick on Meg Smith for a second. Um, Meg uh, did, did a class for us. Uh, she works for a, a rather large technology company right now, but she came by AV and through AV, through Cirque du Soleil. Mm -hmm. And that's a company that, brother, had I been involved in AV uh, before wife and kids, I'd have jumped at the chance to work there. Right. I, I fascinating. Hear Circuit de Soleil yet, but I every time I hear it mentioned, you make it to Harry. You make it to Vegas. I will take you to a show. Seriously. Yeah. Um, because it is experience you have to you have to see. You really do, especially from AV. Right. Especially from an AV perspective, you've got to see what these people do. Um, but yes, I, I would say get exposed to everything. I mean, you may not think you like lighting. And get in front of a and get in front of a hog and, and go, oh my gosh, this is the best thing in the world, right? Yeah. Um, or you might get off on on control, um, or or security or IT, you know. So yeah, I would say just get exposed to as many things as possible before going down a path. And the other thing about that is don't be afraid to go down a different path, even though you may have gone down a path, uh, certain direction for a certain part of your life. And there's nothing wrong with trying something new. Yeah. Uh, on that note, Tim, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, thank yep. you so much for doing this. Uh, you have to get ready for an AV Nation later on. Um, AV In about three hours, four hours, four hours. Yeah. Uh, and uh, have, have you got everything prepared? No. no. <laughs> we, 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 um, there, there were two things, pieces of, of news that dropped yesterday. So now I've got to rewrite. Uh, some of my intros. Uh, Blue Jeans got bought by Verizon yeah, for right. some asinine yeah. reason. Yeah. Um, and here in the States, our uh, our small business loan um, pile of money is suddenly gone. And we've got to figure out what that means for the integrators that uh, did not get on that list. So, I, I think that um, buyover is going to be very interesting. What yeah. Verizon got in store there. That, that Yeah. That, no, yeah. No one, no one seen that one coming, you know. And so, do you remember twenty years ago when AOL bought Time Warner? Right. Yeah. Yeah. This makes about as much sense to me now as that one did then. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't see that one. But I, I'm also not, you know, worth a couple billion dollars either. So that may be reason for that. Yeah. Is it? Is it? Zoom getting the correct bashing that it deserves at the moment? No. No. Heck no. No. It's it. It is the. It's it's the pinata of the day. Uh, it, you know, people are frustrated. People are at home. Um, yes, there are security issues, but there are security issues with everything. Uh, I think life size, quite frankly, um, and I don't know anybody at life size. And this is not me being mean. Um, Zoom is not a sponsor of mine either, so don't don't misunderstand what I'm going to say. Um, I think life size is sticking their neck out with some of their marketing because um, a security expert. Um, lady that I met a number of years ago, she's a fantastic woman, knows her crap, says it's not a question of if, it's when you're going to get hacked. It's not a question of if or it's when you're going to get broken into. And I think life size has forgotten that adage when it comes to security and they're, they're in for a rude awakening and that they will, they'll get hacked eventually and then they'll have egg on their face well, because of their current marketing. A, I listened to a webinar with uh, Eric Wong uh, talking about Zoom 
and some of the security features that they're putting in. I can't even remember what the term is called, but it's literally that they are paying hackers to. If you well, yeah, there's a bounty. Yeah, there's a bounty program. Bounty program. Yeah, that's it. You know, like that is fantastic. You know, like you don't hear Microsoft Teams doing anything like that. Maybe they do. I, I've never heard of Microsoft Teams doing anything to that nature. You know, it's as always, if people start using it in their thousands, people are going to try and manipulate it. Absolutely. And, and, and here's the other thing, it, it will expose, it will expose weaknesses that you never would have gotten in the smaller numbers, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a reason that you have small rollouts and there's a reason that Netflix only allows, you know, certain movies until they, they get the bandwidth and they get the infrastructure in place. Um, this put a strain on, on Zoom's infrastructure and, and it showed some cracks. Mm. And do you know what, that they, they've, like this, we, we've had meetings and we've had our AV hangouts, but with a couple of points, we've had hundreds of people in our room and it didn't yep. over, you know, like, and that's, that's the way I, I look at it. What I really want to know is when all this COVID-19 ends, Will people still keep their accounts? Will they still want to use Zoom? Is this the new social media end of things compared to Facebook, Twitter, to be able to talk to people? I think I think a lot of people will. I think a lot of people will keep the basic accounts. I think I think they will. And something that that Chris Netto has started a couple of um, a month ago, like when we all started getting locked down, I, I think that'll continue. And that's these virtual happy hours because yeah. one thing that uh, Chris, Chris would tell you this. He is even in his college days. He, what he did really well is he got people together to have a party, mm -hmm. right? Um, he was he's an old DJ, and that was part of his job was getting people together. And the ability to have a drink with you and with Ifat and with JP and with Kevin, in addition to having one with Joe Way and Mark Coxon and Meg on the other side of the country from me. Mm -hmm. I think there is something intrinsically valuable with that. Now, is is it is it something that you can put a, a money amount on? No, it's it's nothing that's going to make anybody money. But it's something that connects us even more so than Twitter or social media ever will, because I can see you right, and we can respond, um, and we can have that nonverbal communication, and and you know raise a glass to each other, and really really connect on a, on a personal level far more beyond than just ISE or Infocom or any other trade show. The All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E, media.ie.